to episode 156 of the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. I am your host, Stuart Butler, joined today by the ever so grumpy Melissa Kavanaugh. Howdy ho! The slightly <laughs> more cheerful Pete DeMeo. Hey everybody, welcome and to the, the podcast. And the hey, giddy... I'm, not done, I'm, not, I'm not done welcoming everybody. Oh, sorry, my bad. Alright, now I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the giddy as a little child, Phil Fariska. Hey, everybody. I did it in increasing degrees of silliness that I feel you guys are uh, going to be presenting today. Is that okay? Do you feel like that's accurate? I might have Phil and Pete mixed up. I don't know. You might. Pete, Pete came on guns blazing, so we'll see. <laughs> this is true. But you know what? Our listeners get you too confused, too, so it's okay if I do. It's, it's fine. It's not a problem. We have a packed show today. We have your favorite features. We have... Stats of the week, we have news of ruse, and we have a great in-depth look at a travel study. And this isn't the normal one we've been talking about. So up until now, we've, we've done a couple of episodes on the sentiment study we've been pushing out, which was surveying a bunch of leisure travelers. This one, we actually went to folks like yourself. So we went to hoteliers. And we didn't do that alone. We had help from our friends at Review Pro and Stay In Touch. We joined forces. We were kind of like when the um, Power Rangers joined together at the end to beat the final enemy because they every time they try individually and fail and then they have to join together to make Megazord or something. I don't know why they don't just join together to create Megazord at the beginning and be a lot more efficient. But anyway. Go, go, Power Rangers. Nice. We Megazorded with the Review Pro and Stay in Touch on this sentiment study. Unfortunately, they couldn't join us on the show today due to timing and busyness and whatnot, but we are going to nevertheless forge forward and go through some of our favorite findings from this study. Now, if you want to follow along, get the entire study, you can download it from our, our website. You can go to fueltravel.com and go to downloads. It's right there, or we'll link to it right from the uh, the podcast notes, which that's probably the easiest way. You go to fueltravel.com slash podcast, and then you click on episode 156. So that's one, episode 156, fueltravel.com uh, fuel slash podcast. So everyone take a sec, go get that, go look at it. We're going to be talking about some of our favorite takeaways from it today. And then keep in mind too, we're going to be doing a webinar on this very topic. We're going to be not just dissecting the data, but we'll be going to be giving people really tangible uh, ideas of how to leverage the insights from this to try to recover from the current situation. So that webinar is coming up really soon. It is on July 9th and it's going to be at 11 a.m. Eastern time, 8 p.m. Central or 3 p.m. Greenwich Mean Time. So that's July 9th, 2020, 11 a.m. Eastern We'll put the link to go sign up for that webinar with Fuel, Stay in Touch, and Review Pro right in the show notes. So fueltravel.com slash podcast. Click on episode 156. Oh, and breathe. Everybody relax. I feel, I feel like I just did an intense workout right there. That was a lot of housekeeping. That was. But we get it out, out of the front. It's okay. Now we can get back to shenanigans and tomfoolery. We'll, we'll be good to go. So Melissa, you you were a little bit late getting your uh, your notes in here today. 
Just saying. Yeah, I was. Sorry, I was busy doing other things all day yesterday and the day before, like putting together our consumer sentiment study results. Ooh, so that is a little prelude. So we should we jump right into stat of the week? What do you think? We're going to do it before News of Ruse this time. Let's do it. Melissa, are you mad? Do you want to actually I'm sing so the jingle? I'm so mad right now. You just I'm made so a mad lady very mad. <laughs> she, she, she definitively like stated that she prefers her jingle than your beat boots. Melissa, I think I'm outnumbered there, so it's fine. No, go ahead. This is your stat, so you can you can do your little jingle too. And I said it's, little deliberately to, to belittle it, but go ahead. Uh, stat of the week. Stat of the week. Stat of the week. <laughs> Uh, Plus, we have two of them, so it, it deserves two things. Oh, this is true. We should have done one, done a stat, done the other, done a stat. But that's okay. We didn't plan ahead. So People what are the stats? People us out already. <laughs> it sounds like this is all brewing toward a good old-fashioned jingle off. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I will lose. It's okay. All right. To the task at hand, we have two stats from our very recent results of the latest consumer sentiment study. And it's good news. So it's good news and the set of week. We have found that over 30% of people responding to our study said that they have absolutely no fear of traveling right now. Over 30% say nothing's holding them back from traveling. That yeah. was set number one. And that that's a, a number that's increasing over time. And then this next one's one that's decreasing over time. So you knock this one out of the park. 16%, one-sixth, 16% of people say nothing could convince them to travel now. When we first asked this question back in early April, we were at 40%. Yeah. We're down to 16%. That's pretty awesome. And that has been declining on every round of the survey. Yeah, that's crazy. I'm gonna do I'm gonna break out some math here. So that means 84% of people are considering traveling. They're not they're not not considering traveling. That's and right. That's crazy. So that that means about 50ish percent, you know, 50 and a couple of points percent of people are somewhere in between not wanting to travel and absolutely ready to travel. Which is probably where I am right now. You know, a lot of people are kind of in that middle ground of, well, I'm not sure if I should, but I really want to and if I do it responsibly, maybe I will. So those are the folks you've got to try to convince as a hotel right now to to come and travel. But you've also got to take on the responsibility of making sure that you're providing the right kind of precautions to protect them and to protect your staff when they do travel. So that's why we've been talking a lot about things like mobile apps and reduced contact check-in, things like that. So there's a lot of opportunity. A lot of people are still traveling, even though the world around us still seems to be falling in. I think there was this weird little blip. I don't know if you noticed this, that the media, and I really can't tell if the mainstream media is just following the psyche of the, the country or if, you know, it's, it's, if it's a reflection or a dictation of what's going on, but it, it seemed like everyone was kind of fearful and then they were gradually getting less and less and less fearful until finally someone went, oh, you know what? Yeah, screw the pandemic. It's not really going on. And everyone went bananas. And it was right around Memorial Day when, if you look at the data, every major beach destination was at capacity over, that was open, was at capacity over Memorial Weekend. And now we're seeing these massive spikes that are happening as a result. So we've gone from fear reducing to complete denial to a, 
a realization that, oh, crap, we probably were a little too early to now how do we deal with this this new mess. So it, it's crazy, but we're seeing this mixture of things going on. We're seeing massive cancellations for, for in some areas, but we're still seeing record booking pace in others. So it's really, there's not one blanket thing that we can say to, to recommend that you should be doing right now other than being very aware of what's going on around you and being very fluid in your approach. So hopefully the data today will help you make up some, make some decisions for your own property. We'll see. Alrighty, let's go on, shall we? We All shall. Right. All right. You guys want some news? Let's do it. All right. Well, with hotel marketing that cannot lose, now it's time for news or Should we ask the folks at home to vote on which is their favorite jingle? And yes. Which is their least favorite? We is need that, to put a poll out there. Yeah, I've got a feeling that that Pete's jingle will be the 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 number one favorite and the number one least favorite. I think it's polarizing. <laughs> it, is, it is the marmite of of jingles. It, it is. <laughs> so it's disgusting. No, it's delicious. And therein lies the conundrum. Yep. So do we actually have some newsaroos today? We do. So I have one in here from Travel Pulse. And this came out today, at least the day we're recording, June 26th. Airlines are starting to refund ticketing prices for passengers with elevated temperatures. And this is coming to us from the Airlines for America, which is a trade association that represents most of the, the major carriers from American, Delta, United, Southwest, and so on. And what they're saying is moving forward, if a customer is denied access to a flight by TSA, they will refund that customer's ticket price. Is TSA taking temperatures right now? Yeah. Yeah, so that's oh. one of the CDC recommendations is during your security check, you get, I guess, head lasered to check your temperature. Huh. So, so I've got, got a hack for you guys. So if you've, if you've booked a trip, and you're going to fly, and then you have buyer's remorse, and you're like, ah, oh, man, probably shouldn't have done that. Just run around a bunch at the airport right before you go to TSA. Get your temperature elevated. or put Wear like a, a parka. Hot, hot, yeah, put a hot cloth on your head. Bring a hot water bottle or something and stick it on your head. Something like that, and then go to TSA. And they're going to check your temperature. You're going to have a fever, and then you can get out of it and get a refund. Or stand by the window for 20 minutes, bake in the sun, mm-hmm. no walk over. Mm-hmm. Yes. So to uh, to bring this back to some semblance of hotel marketing information. <laughs> and, and, and normalcy, yeah. Yes, and normalcy. Yeah. It, it brings up some interesting questions that we don't necessarily have answers for, but you know, would are we going to be starting to see something like this in destinations, at hotels? You know, Disney becomes a good question and, you know, restricted Disney, access to Disney has said that The answer is yes. Yeah, Disney yeah. is definitely going to be doing temperature checks. Uh, you see in hotels in places like Vegas that are doing it, but they're doing it through mm-hmm. body, you know, thermal scanners, things like that. So mm-hmm. there's how I just don't understand how Disney's gonna pull that off because when it's summer in Orlando, it's already hundreds of degrees outside. So like what? Some people are gonna be above their normal temperature. Are they gonna account for that? That's yeah, it's so just, I think if you look slippery. at the, the the guidelines, like my wife is a, a director at a preschool, and they were looking at doing camps. And the, what DHEC was saying is, if a child had a temperature over, a, I think it was a hundred point three, that would be considered problematic. So, 
you know, it's even if you're out in the heat in 100 degree weather, your body regulates itself. You're gonna, you're not gonna be at 100 degrees. Your body is not gonna be 100 degrees. But it, it could be in direct sunlight, though. Mm, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm not. I'm yeah, definitely not an expert like on this. But plan. Yeah. You know, my question is, from a liability perspective, what happens when if you're a hotel and you opt not to do this and you have an issue? You, it, it kind of starts creating, I think, some type of of, of legal concerns that us as an industry are going to have to to work through. So I kind of put this news item in here just as a as food for thought of you know start thinking about this, thinking about what those policies are because more and more we are seeing properties have those COVID disclaimers on their checkout process and it's something to be considering. Yeah, I just I can't personally foresee the majority of hotels adopting some kind of technology to to, to do temperature checks at check-in. I just, I, I think it's too problematic for the majority of hotels. I get it in places like casinos where you're bringing a lot of people together, but I just, I don't see this getting wild, wildly, widely adopted unless there's some kind of governmental mandate. Now, on the other hand, I do think that the industry needs to come together and, and put out some messaging to reassure guests that here, here are the things we're doing to try to protect you. But you know, we see it here in our own backyard and other vacation destinations. You look at any any major beach destination in Orlando, you know, in in Florida right now. You look at you know, Myrtle Beach. You look at the Alabama coast. People are are pretending like COVID isn't going on, and and I don't know if that's going to continue because we obviously are in this situation where the folks that are traveling right now, by definition, are risk takers because they're the early adopters, the early folks. They're they're part of that. Um, was it 30% that said there's nothing holding them back from, from traveling right now? Are, they, are we going to get through that group of people and then see a more normal, rational group of people that are traveling and, and will be wearing face masks and will be adhering to social distancing? I don't know. But right now, I've, I've been on the pool deck at some of our clients' hotels, and you would not know there's anything different than there was last year. People are packed. People are not separating uh, my son actually just started working at a hotel, and he said they had a fire alarm go off last week, and everyone piled out of the hotel and congregated together. And it, you know, there was a couple of hundred people just standing there in a big group, and no, no one was social distancing, no one was wearing face masks. So I don't know. I, do, I don't see unless something major happens. I don't see this changing, uh, you know, across the entire industry. Unfortunately, I have to say. Mm-mm. What, where, do you, where do you guys stand right now on the whole face mask debacle debate? I am a kind human being and I care, even though I really don't like people, I do care about people. So I do wear a face mask when I leave the house in public. Yeah. Pete, you're a libertarian. So where do you stand? So it, that's, I, I believe if a, if a property wants to require face masks, I'm going into a private business and I'm going to wear one because I, I want to go there and that's their right. But I'm not wearing one out in public. And, and it's not because I'm, I'm being a jerk. Everybody's saying a different thing. Some people say it's not as good. Some people say it's good. Some people say it's irrelevant. So it's always changing. And I like life better without a mask on. Yeah, I've, I've only been wearing one when it comes to close quarters or a business that is asking people to do it. Um, other than that, if I'm just outside, no. And for all those people driving around with it on, 
I'm laughing at you. That's a little silly. <laughs> yeah. It's that, I mean, it's, I, I feel like you guys are all rational people and, and it's interesting to see the spectrum of opinions. And I think that's the problem, right? It is it, because it's left to opinion. There's not consensus from the government right now. I mean, I'll tell you this. I've gone from where Pete was to where Melissa is over the last couple of weeks. And, and I think the reason for that is I'm, I'm tired of the debate. And I think it's, I think it's, probably a distraction from the important stuff so so to me it's like yes it's inconvenient for me but does it really hurt me to to just put one on in in you know so i'm just wearing one now i'd say a month ago i probably wasn't if i unless i was in close quarters to people inside but now i'm, I'm deliberately doing that because i think why not you know it, it's I, I hate the fact it's become politicized so. well and it's it's not even that so much for me I found that people are just mean to each other when they're wearing masks because they can't see the person's expression. So <laughs> yeah, I was we going through Costco and everyone had their masks on and, you know, people would get in, e- in each other's way. And there was there wasn't that visual cue of, oh, I apologize. Let me get out of your way. Everybody was very guarded and not as open and friendly because you had that visual barrier of this person's not another human. They're just a. A stranger with a mask on. No, you know why that really is happening in Costco, though, right? Because I'm it's, stealing all no the samples. There's no samples. People are all they're all uh, hungry. They're not getting their little nibbles as they go around. That's, I'm that's happy that there are no samples because there's no congregating, and I can actually get through the damn aisles because <laughs> people have never had popcorn before. Apparently, you get one free chip of this new chip that's exactly like every other chip you've ever tasted, and you have to wait five minutes to get get it. Except yeah. for cheese that snapped. That's where it's at. <laughs> I do need to qualify my answer. I said when I'm out in public. So typically if I'm walking from the car to a store, I'm not like my mask doesn't go on until I'm right before in the store. It's not like I'm wearing my mask in the parking lot because it's freaking hot here and it fogs up my glasses. So, I, but just before I get in the store, the mask goes on. Yeah. I'm just, I'm of the opinion right now is, you know, I, I think you're right, Pete, in that there's a lot of back and forth. A lot of folks have kind of changed their position. Even the CDC kind of flip-flopped a little bit from early to now. But but earlier on, you know, I try to look at things pragmatically and data-driven. And I think early on, there wasn't enough information. I think now there's a little more information related to um, the impact it has. And it really isn't protecting the wearer from, from everything I'm reading. It's pro- it's potentially protecting other people from you having it and not realizing it. So right. for that That's reason, I, I think I'm on Melissa's side of this where I'm like, well, I don't want to be a jerk. I, you know, maybe I have it and I don't know it. So why would I want to give that to someone else? So that that's that's why my opinions change. So I think we've all got to try to do something because the numbers right now, I think 30 states are seeing massive ri- rising. Um, maybe the masks will do nothing, but maybe that's the worst case scenario. They do nothing, right? Maybe they do something. So I don't know. I, I think people should be wearing them more than they are. Just my opinion, though. Well, something's happening because here in Myrtle Beach, things had gone through the roof in terms of bookings for weeks. And now all of a sudden they've come to a screeching halt in the last several days. Well, part of that's the the rules that are coming in from other areas, too, though. You look at, I think, West Virginia governor came out and said anyone coming back from specifically Myrtle Beach um, are going to have to quarantine. And now New York, New Jersey and Connecticut have said Anyone traveling out of out of that tri-state area are going to have to quarantine for 14 days. Anyone coming in are going to have to quarantine. So we live in crazy times. We do, we do. 
if there was only some type of report or data that really had the sentiment of hoteliers to give us guidance of what we should be doing. Huh. Well, huh. If, if huh. only three of the behemoths of the industry could come together and create a Megazord survey of hotel sentiment, that would be amazing. Oh, guess what, guys? I just found one. It's right here in front of me. What? It was, it was done with Review Pro, Stay in Touch, and Fuel. So this this is a survey. We sent out a few weeks ago, but it was we had about 500 hoteliers uh, respond to this. And it, it was a range of flags and independence. It was, you know, sizes all over this, this place. We had, I think, up, up to several hundred pr properties in the portfolio. But the majority were either single properties or between two and 20 properties. So, you know, it's, it's smaller groups and independents um, were, were a lot of it. But we asked a ton of questions, about 20 questions about you know, how you were handling, how you were updating budgets, what, how you were updating procedures, what your expectations were. Uh, but we also then went back and asked other vendors in the industry to give us their insights as well and their takeaways from the survey as well as their advice for hotels. So we'll probably do that as a separate um, episode later on when we look at some of the um, insights from from other vendors. But we had people like Springer Miller Systems. We had AHOA. We had um, Navis, Derbysoft. We had a ton of different folks weigh in on this as well. So it really was a kind of multi-vendor uh, multi effort to, to try to bring you as much information and insight as we, as we could. And again, shameless plug for the webinar coming up on July 9th at 11 a.m. Eastern. Please sign up for that because we're going to be really digging into this in a, a more um, serious way and with a little more different types of insight and recommendations as well. So fueltravel.com slash podcast, click on episode 156 to go sign up for the webinar. But what we're doing today is we're going to talk through um, Pete, Melissa, and Phil all kind of took their top three insights, takeaways, or observations from this survey data. So rather than us going through each of the questions, we're just going to go through each of their insights. So how do you guys want to do this? Do you want, you want someone to go through all three or do you want to do one, 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 or how do you want to do it? Let's do each of our ones, then each of our twos, then each of our threes. Okay. Did you put yours in, in hierarchical order? Are you? Is this... No, mine are just in number order. Okay. So they're not necessarily number one's not necessarily your biggest insight. Number three. Correct. Okay. So it's just random one, two, threes. Okay. Same. All righty then. Who wants to go first? Hey, can I go first? Because my one is number one. All right, let's go. Number one, 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 one. All right. So the key takeaway I took is actually the very first question, and it says, "Where is your hotel or company based?" And typically, when you're looking at this data, it is a slice of a specific market or country. But in the case of this study, because we did have international partners mainly review pro who's based in Europe, giving us data as well. We have a really good cross section of the entire globe. 30% came from North America, 28 and a half percent from Europe. Asia was at 20% Oceania, which is Australia and uh, New Zealand countries down there, Africa, Latin America and Caribbean are all represented. And it does show you that you may be dealing with a small section of the world, but this is a true global issue and everybody in the world, especially from a hotel perspective, is dealing with the same issues that you are right now. 
in their own little way. So this data does give a really good idea of what we all can be doing and what people are doing that are very far physically away from us. Yeah, the only the only problem is if you have a hotel in Antarctica, we do not have any representation from them. So this this data is completely null and void. That's true. Yeah. All do you have that stations. ice hotel? Sorry. <laughs> Can COVID live in Antarctica? I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure, but I I don't think looking at the the podcast stats, I don't think we have too many folks from Antarctica paying attention. But yeah, I, I think you're you're exactly right to point that out. Pete, that this is very much a global survey. So, all righty, Philip, do you want to go so, to number one? Sure. Um, my number one was actually from question 10. And question 10 was How important are the following communication channels to your current crisis communication strategy? So, I was kind of surprised that all of the answers for question 10, aside from you know, a lot of people saying that social media was a, uh, a channel that they were, were using a lot. So the amount of responses for not at all for both in-stay surveys and post-stay surveys was a little unsettling to me, uh, considering you know, for an in-stay survey, that's when you have the guest right there. You can talk to them. Um, or they're m more likely to communicate back with you because they're staying with you right then. Um, to, so communicating anything that you're doing around COVID, uh, I think that was uh, one of the one of the most important times. And and a lot of people said that they weren't doing that at all. And then I thought maybe it's just not easy for some hoteliers to communicate because of distancing. And then I thought. Maybe those hoteliers need a mobile app so they can reach them very easily. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that's one of the things we've seen with folks using our mobile app is they're doing a lot more in-stay notifications. And it's, some of it's just reminders. You know, some of it's just a casual, friendly, hey, don't forget to wash your hands or don't forget to socially distance while you're on property. But it can also be an amenity, like, you know, offering face masks, offering hand sanitizer to folks that are on property as well. So I think you know, that... I I'd also point out that if, if a property is closed or at 5% occupancy, the in-stay surveys and post-stay surveys might be irrelevant because well, if, you know, if there's nobody there, you're not going to put a lot of weight into that. Good point. Yeah. I lastly, with that one, um, I also thought that we would see a lot more hoteliers using email as one of the main channels uh, to communicate that you know people who've already made bookings, maybe creating some confidence, avoiding cancellations through you know uh, pre-arrival emails, things things along those lines. Um, I just thought the percentage of of people communicating that way would be um, more more along the lines of what we saw with social media, but it just was not. Yeah, I would look at this entire study of things that you can be doing better, but then also opportunities that other hoteliers are not necessarily taking advantage of. And I think the email is a perfect example of that. Why is that not near 100% in terms of you know, what people are using to communicate? And if your, cost, if your competition is not using it, man, you better. All right. Melissa, your number, Melissa one, Melissa one, Melissa one, 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 one. My number one was question five, which is what cost reduction strategies have you put into place since the COVID-19 crisis? And it appears that 65% of the people taking this survey do not listen to this podcast because <laughs> their answer was cut marketing spend. This surprised me. Well, I guess it didn't surprise me, but again, it, it unsettled me. It made me sad knowing the fact that 
it, it, it's more affordable now than it's ever been or in very recent history because there was no OTA bidding going on. Like you, it was almost free marketing and yet 65% cut their marketing budget. And not only that, but I had a look at a couple of other questions that were sort of interesting in their relationship to this. So if you look at the breakout of respondents to the survey, only 9% are in a marketing function. So that may be skewing this data a little bit, like maybe the marketers didn't have a chance to chime in and speak up for themselves. And lastly, on this point, uh, the last or one of the last questions of the survey is asking what you're going to do to recover. And the top response was marketing. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe if you hadn't cut marketing, you wouldn't have to put more money into marketing to recover. Just saying. <laughs> yeah, I maybe you have to say uh, about more... this question. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I wasn't surprised to see that um, uh, 65% of hoteliers were, were cutting marketing. I mean, we saw it. Uh, in, in, in some cases, it did make sense. Like, if you had a lot of nationally targeted marketing where you were just kind of, um, you know, thrown at the wall to see what sticks, I, I, I get it. You cut some of that out and go with, you know, you're just your... Your your key markets that you know bring you business. So maybe maybe sure, that's you could some shift of them. Your meant, marketing. Yeah, <laughs> maybe that's what some of them meant. They cut out some of their you know billboard effect marketing and went to their their highly targeted marketing. But cutting it all together, we said it from the beginning, bad idea, and that proved to be true. So well, so I'm going to play devil's advocate on this one. Well, just to wait, make wait, wait, wait 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 wait. Okay. Because I have one other point uh, in terms of contradictory data. Question seven does look at where people are spending more or cutting in terms of their budgets. And m most said that they were not changed. <laughs> so I don't understand this. <laughs> That's all. I'm done. You all can right. go on now, Pete. All right. So here's my devil's advocate side of this. I can understand cutting marketing because we, as an agency, we – Obviously, we want people to spend money on marketing because it's the most effective way of, of driving guests. But if your property is closed and you're having to make cuts across the board, there there's a lot of cases, I think, that can be made for, for pulling back. Because, like I said, if your property is closed and you're probably going to be closed for 60 days, a lot of that close-in, end-of-funnel marketing really does become irrelevant. Do you need to keep some of your powder dry for when you actually do come out of this? Yeah. And I think that's, you know, you got to take a pragmatic approach and look at your individual situation. And I think you're going to, the reality of the finances right now means you're going to have to cut from everywhere. I just believe that marketing should be the last place you cut once you figure out how much you can cut from other places. And, and so, Obviously, your operational cost is going to be reduced because you don't, you're not hosting people. Um, so, to start there, it should it be should sort of be like a reverse opening right now. And and when you're going to open a hotel, one of the first things you start to spend on is marketing. So you should that should be the last thing you cut, in my opinion. Now, I will say that because everyone's been forced to cut, and we're in situations where you know maybe you used to have a, a marketing team of three or four people, and you maybe had two or three revenue managers and a couple of, you know, handful of operations people. And then maybe down to one in each of those camps now. 
And so what I've observed, which is a really positive thing, is because no one has a clue about what to do right now. No one's really getting defensive and, and about their, their specific role and responsibility. So what it's done is it's created an overlap between all these departments. And so a, a lot of conversations I'm having with marketers are going along the lines of we're now collaborating with revenue management and sales and operations more than we've ever done before. We're having daily conversations about our strategy and our tactics and trying to figure out what did, what our plan is. So, well, that should have been happening all along, but it wasn't before because the revenue managers were saying, don't come in here, Mr. Marketer or Mrs. Marketer, and tell me how to do my job because I know how to do my job. I've been doing it for 20 years. But now it's like, well, what I've done for 20 years no longer works. So, Mr. Marketer or Mrs. Marketer, please come and help me because I don't know what I'm doing anymore. And I think that's a really positive long-term um, it's going to have a long-term impact on the entire industry. We've just got to remember that. We've got to continue to say it and, and live it every day that we need to blend all of these things together. And I think that's that's positive coming out of it. All righty. So number P2, 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 Okay. My next one was number nine. And that question was, how has your pricing strategy changed? My feedback was, I was happy to see that nearly 70% of the respondents didn't cut rate and or only cut it by 10 to 20%, which means around 40% or so kept the rate exactly the same, which was good. I, I don't know that you know slashing rate is the right choice here because that's not what is preventing people from coming to your property. Unfortunately, about a third of the people cut their rate by at least 21%. In some cases, we had 4% of the respondents say they cut rate by more than 60%. And I, I think that is just absurd. You know, we're, you cannot solve this non-economic solution with an economic or problem with an economic solution yeah i feel like a lot of hotels fell back on what they had seen work in the past and if they needed to fill up because they were empty they cut rates and then they filled up and that was just like you said pete that's not why people are are refusing to travel right now um it just was a was a bad move yeah i mean it's 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 a sign of a, a relatively narrow-minded marketer because that's what you use it's not like you can say okay i'm gonna go to groupon just to increase you know, bookings or anything like that. No, this has nothing to do with your specific rate. You need to be in the service business. You need to be in the education business, but you don't need to be in the cutting rate business because literally people are afraid that they might die when they travel. Saving 21% or saving 60% on their hotel stay, it ain't going to cut it. Yeah, well, and it, it's it's tough, right? I, th I think it's often the easy thing to go to because it, like you said, it's worked in the past and folks that are... I mean, flat out panicking. They don't know anything else to do other than cut rate. Like they have no other lever to pull or button to push if they're a rate manager sitting in isolation. But guess what? Those rate managers that are sitting there right next to the marketing team or right next to the sales team and having a conversation to develop a strategy to how to get out of this, they're not the ones that are dropping rate to try to drive right. demand. And I would, I would, I would challenge anyone that took that approach to show me how it had an impact, a positive impact, because it, it, it wouldn't. You can't drop your rate by half and expect your occupancy to double. It's just not going to work right now. 
And, um, and I think that's where if if you go one question up to question eight, the question was, how has your room distribution strategy changed? Uh, and I think this is a, a better strategy and better tactics for how you can keep rate. And, you know, the top answers were targeting the local and niche markets in your area to drive demand. And the second one was reduced number of rooms available per day. You know, so should you if you have a 30 uh, story property, do you need to cut the 10 top 10 floors off and you know, reduce your overall room count? You know, would would that help? You know, think of ways where you can make the most of what you have instead of trying to create this new demand that really isn't there or wasn't there at the time COVID began. Yeah. And focus on going in and hunting for new demand. You know, it's because this is you've got to be thinking long term, although it's really hard right now because short term you're just focused on survival. Assuming you do survive, you don't want to have a massive hole to climb out of that's going to take you 10 years to get back to where you were. Right? So you've got to come through this you know, as, as healthily as possible, but with a, an eye on the next two years. And so if you start cutting your rate by 60% right now, the people that are coming to you, you've now anchored that rate. You're probably going to have a lower quality person that's going to ha- create more problems. We're seeing this in destinations right now. It's probably going to be the, the early traveler risk takers that some of them are going to be younger. Some of them are going to be on unemployment and having more disposable income than they've ever had before. You're going to be attracting this group of people that are probably going to create problems, not just for your staff, but for other guests that are traveling legitimately as well. It's going to affect your reputation online. Your, your review scores are going to go down and you're setting a price expectation that it's going to take years to recover from. So, so your rate needs to be appropriate for your market and in the demand that exists, but it doesn't need to be a panic fire sale. It, it's, that's going to cause you more long-term damage than COVID ever will. And Melissa, you had this this one as your number three as well, I think. Is yes, right? I did. Yes, I did. Do you want to add anything to the conversation? I think Pete kind of nailed it on the head. Uh, I had a little different spin. I guess I was seeing the glass half empty and my comment was, yikes. 30% have cut rates by at least 21% and 20% of them cut by 10 to 20%. So again, just disheartened by, again, yes, we all understand you're in survival mode. We understand that. But as Pete said, cutting rates is not going to make people who don't feel safe traveling to come and travel. You know what's going to help? If you explain what your cleaning procedures are and you can show that people are social distancing at their property because you know what their number one fear is? It's not the fear of your rate. It's the fear of interaction with other guests. So says our consumer sentiment study results found at fueltravel.com. <laughs> yeah, followed closely by fear of common areas as well. You know, So it's definitely about exposure to, to COVID and that's why a lot of hotels are really focused on, I heard a new term yesterday that, that I really liked, which was the cleaning theater, which is, we talked about this on the show a couple of episodes ago about how you know, we always used to work really hard to, to hide the sausage being made. And you, you would always clean your lobby, for example, at night. You would never do it during the day. But now you want a visible, um, the optics of you constantly cleaning yes. things is important to people, right? So you've now switched that to the daytime so people see you actively cleaning. Um, and, and it is somewhat of a theater because it's it's something you've always done, 
but now you want you want people to see it. You want it to be visible and over the top. So um, I think those are the kind of things you should be focused on in, in reinforcing that messaging in your marketing versus trying to drop rate. I put a link in um, the survey results to something that I thought the win in Las Vegas did really well in terms of highlighting their procedures, their health safety procedures. It was a beautifully done video and the video is linked to from their homepage in a prominent middle section right in the middle of the homepage. They have a whole thing about all their safety precautions and there's a link to this beautifully made video that it's just it highlights the property it's not just like people scrubbing toilets you know how i feel about that but it's just it's very very well done and i highly recommend some sort of a well done video that just hey this is what we're doing and makes people feel better about the property all right phil two phil two phil two phil two 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 um so mine was kind of a combination between question 16 and question 17 so Question 16 was, do you believe that the structure of your business operations will permanently change post-COVID? And then question 17 was, do you believe that guest behavior and expectations will permanently change post-COVID? So there were 15% of respondents that believe that nothing will change with business operations. How can that be? (laughs) And then 6% uh, said that guest behavior will not change post-COVID. So that means 73% that responded. Uh, know that guest behavior and expectations will change. So if you're part of that 73% that knows that uh, the guest behavior and expectation will change, but you're also part of the 15% that says you're not changing operations, you're missing the mark completely. So guest expectations are certainly going to change. And you need to understand what those changes are, what those expectations are, and respond with changes in your operations, similar to what we were just talking about with the cleaning theater. Um, understanding that your guests are concerned with safety and cleanliness and changing your operations to to match those new needs. Yeah, so a prime example of this is in our consumer sentiment study. We, we've asked the last couple of rounds, we've asked about um, housekeeping. And, you know, it's been a given for donkey's years that you have daily housekeeping right in, in every hotel it's just assumed is that not, different than dog years what you ever heard dog of donkey's years? years maybe that's an English no. phrase donkey's <laughs> years is like a really long time okay google it i bet it's on urban dictionary careful though because i'm sure you'll find other things on the urban dictionary. <laughs> but, yeah donkey's years it's it's longer than dog's years Someone Google it while I'm talking. But <laughs> housekeeping is one of those things that there's been a set expectation. But now what people demanded has shifted and each individual person may have a different take on it. And, and so one of the questions we've been asking is what level of housekeeping do you want? You know, Do you want daily? Do you want daily just switching out towels? Do you want uh, every other day, every other day switching out towels? Do you want it once per se or upon request? And what we see is it's really split. I think the highest result was like 23 or 24%. There were a couple in the 20% range, or three of the four of the options were in the 20% range. So it really is up to the individual based on where they personally are. So operationally, you can take advantage of this. In fact, the number one response was upon request. I will, I will tell you when I want housekeeping, which personally for me, that's what I would always choose. Uh, but you can cut down on operations costs here by knowing that you don't have to turn over every room every day or make every bed every day. 
and, and over time, you're going to collect data to say, okay, on average, it works out that only 50% of people are going to need their beds made today. That now you just made some operational changes that, one, make the guest happier, but two, help you save some money and make you more profitable as well. So those are the kind of things you need to be looking for. There's opportunities everywhere with this. Agreed. I, I looked it up, Stuart. So donkey's ears, mm-hmm. informal, British, a very long time. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> there you go. If you learn nothing from this episode, you can now use the phrase donkey's ears. And no one will know what you're talking about, unless you're British. There you go. Or, or listen to this podcast. Just get educated. Awesome. All right. So, Melissa, we already did your three. So, do you want to do your two? I would like to do my two. All right. <laughs> That's wrong. <laughs> children. All right, Melissa. Um, my second point was on question number six, which asks to prepare for reopening are you recommending any of the following to your team and the choices were reassuring internal policies and procedures which got very high 74 percent responded yes to which was not surprising attending industry webinars education and training training in different areas of the business refreshing existing knowledge and certificates or none First of all, 4% said none. Where are these people? And, and they're brave enough to actually admit that? In and they admitted to none. Yeah. Um, but my point of contention is that only 39% said that they were going to cross-train employees. Now, given the fact that in the previous question, 50% of them said that they were laying off staff and another 50% said they were furloughing workers – don't you think it would be a great idea if you had some cross-training going on so that if this ever comes up again or some other, some random world is coming to an end or an economic downturn happens and you need to go through this process again, that you have employees that know how to do a lot of different things? And isn't it better anyway, if it never comes to that, that people have a better understanding of what everybody else's job is and how you can all work better together so you're not siloed? Question mark. Preach, sister, preach. <laughs> I'm like passionate about this survey. Yeah, you're very feisty. Apparently. This is great. <laughs> there you go. You're That's no longer dead question. inside, Melissa. You, you are yeah. you're very, very much, much alive. Got, uh, yeah. I've got Dunkin' Donuts flowing through my veins this morning. <laughs> Injecting it intravenously? Yes. Nice. Um no, I, I think this is this is really interesting to me. I think it, it's indicative of the fact that we didn't have a playbook, that everyone's doing slightly different things based on their own scenario and trying to figure it out. But you are 100% right, Melissa. I think if, if, if we look at this as an opportunity to learn something, it is we need to be prepared for the unexpected. And one of the best ways to do that is to make sure you have a fully you know trained staff that is capable and willing to do multiple cross-functional jobs. And so I, if I owned a hotel right now, and this is what we're telling all our, our clients, partners, is you need to be cross-training the heck out of people and making sure everyone understands each other's jobs because that's the only way you're going to get through this. The reality is a lot of properties can be have to do a lot of work with fewer staff for the foreseeable future. And so the more you can train people and they can feel comfortable and do those jobs efficiently, and feel comfortable and confident doing those jobs, the more likely you are to be successful through this recovery. 
Yeah, we found a lot of this is out of necessity, um, which will end up helping you in the long run. But you know, for those you those of you lucky ones that didn't have to do this out of necessity, you should be doing it anyway. Yes. All right. P three, P three, P three, P three, P three. All right, my three is eleven. So no, it's three. My three is eleven. Number eleven says, "How long do you think it will take your business to fully recover in occupancy and rev par?" And this is, I think, just a good insight of what people are actually expecting from you, the overall market. And what we found is fifty nine percent are expecting one to two years and even longer for full recovery. And I think what that means, and and I hate the term new normal, but we have to think of this from a marketing perspective as the new normal. If this is going to be going on for 24 months or longer, the short term, you know, tweaks that we're making to our marketing campaigns are not going to be adequate to carry us through that amount of time. You really need to take a step back and say, okay, from the housekeeping theater, which I love that term, I hadn't heard that before, uh, to you know your guest separations, to everything else that you're doing, you had to think about how this is going to be impacting your business on a much longer time frame. Because what we're seeing is, in the case of, say, Myrtle Beach, right after Memorial Day, we had a huge spike in traffic. And we're like, oh, this is fantastic. We're, it's, we're coming out of COVID. And then immediately we have the second wave hit and now we're back to where we were before. So depending on your location, you may recover for a while, but then you might retreat a little bit and have to either do the lockdown thing again or change strategies. So kind of what this is saying is, hey, it's going to be a while and we need to make plans that factor that in. Yeah. And I think if you look at the recent data and then the increase based on people trying to get back to normal we're really facing this i think it's going to be a lot longer than any of us were thinking you know at the very beginning i think people were like well this will maybe be a two or three month thing and then a couple months into it it's like well maybe be another two or three months i think realistically we're looking at this being problematic in in really hurting demand throughout 2020 and well into 2021 unless some kind of vaccine comes out prior to that. And then you still got the manufacturing and ramp up and adoption and all that stuff. So I think you've got to be prepared, unfortunately, unless you're one of these fortunate folks that are in a beach destination or unless you can physically move your hotel to a beach destination. <laughs> I think you you are looking at some very bleak numbers throughout the rest of the year and you need to be prepared for that. Debbie oh, Downer. Gee. Debbie Downer, huh? Thanks, Stuart. Yeah. Well, I didn't do it, to be fair. Can I bring it back up? Yeah, go yes. for it. P, uh, fill three, fill three, fill three, three, fill three. All right. So this is actually one of the most telling stats that I saw uh, from from the whole study. Um, and it's basically just kind of combines question 12 and 13. But the, the correlation between a hotelier's confidence in recovery and having a recovery plan in place. So we asked them, you know, how confident are you that you're going to recover? And the other question was, do you have a plan in place? And the hoteliers that were confident that they were going to recover also had a plan in place. I think it was like 80% um, of of those that were very confident had a plan in place. Uh, So if you're a hotelier who has not yet established a recovery plan, that should be your top priority right now. Uh, Just kind of looking towards the future, 
um, and, and putting putting the plan in place that works for you. Yeah, and there's so many resources out there right now. Everyone and their mama is and their donkey is pushing out <laughs> content right now about recovery. You know, um, there, there is a ton of webinars, a ton of white papers. I know that Milestone have been pushing out some great webinar content. Uh, a lot of folks are. So um, I think the guys at Fuel and Review Pro and Stay in Touch, they, those guys, those awesome guys are doing a, a webinar on July 9th at 11 a.m. Eastern. So to get educated, if you don't have a plan, like Phil said, you're probably going to be in trouble. So make sure you have a plan. The best way to do that is to gather information, see what other people are doing, get as much insight as you can about current customer expectations, sentiment, and behavior. If you can do that, then, then you can be in a lot better shape. I have that saying that I've used before on the show, where focus goes, energy flows, and, and that's so true right now. The things you're focused on are the things you're going to excel at, and the things that you excel at are going to determine whether or not you are successful on this recovery path, however long you know, it takes. You know what I'm confident of? What's that? People who listen to this podcast probably already have a plan in place. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. <laughs> yeah. I, I think we, we have to claim that's correlation, not causation, though. <laughs> yeah, they're just smart people. Yeah, they're looking to educate themselves and, and somehow be mildly entertained by a bunch of nitwits that talk something a little bit about hotel marketing. Um, but yeah, so those, those are some great insights. Like I said, I think we're going to do another follow-up episode on this at some point where we look at some of the insights from the vendors. But go check it out. If you go to fueltravel.com slash podcast and click on episode 156 you can get the link to the webinar sign up and which is july 9th and then you can also download this entire study as well there's a lot of great insights we, we kind of break it down question by question give some insight in each one and then do some overall takeaways and then at the end we, we kind of break down the feedback from the vendors so it's worth a read uh you, you might learn something and if you don't have a plan in place maybe this can help you begin to put one together so Great stuff, folks. So that that's the, the meat of the content today. So if you want to drop off and do that, you can. We're going to sit around and chat for a little while like we like to, but it's up to you whether you listen. Um, <laughs> but before you drop off, I would like you to go leave a review because we like reviews and they help people on the Magic iTunes or Podcast Store find us. So go leave us a review. Again, Pete will read that in the start of your choosing, so just be sure to put in the accent that you want right in that. Uh, review as well but guys question for you do you have travel plans for the fourth of july coming up for for those not in the u.s um i know canada has their what july 1st um holiday uh europe they don't have independence day although england should probably celebrate getting rid of the problem child that is the united states of america <laughs> on july 4th i will be wearing my england shirt with pride with my american family Oh, no. I, I heard that England is getting a form of independence on July 4th because pubs are allowed to reopen, <laughs> I, if I read that correctly. I think you're right, yeah. So there's some freedom. Yeah, exactly. It's okay. We've been drinking anyway, but yeah, it'd be nice to go back into a pub. Um, I miss the motherland, but I'm not going to be traveling there anytime soon, it looks like, as it looks like Europe might be banning travel from the U.S., so... That's always fun, but also a massive opportunity because like Pete said a couple of episodes ago and we've talked about before, the net um, number of people that travel out of the U.S. is usually higher than the people that come in. So that means that a lot more people in the U.S. may be willing to travel domestically this year. So 
how can you target them is a great opportunity. But but are you any of you guys traveling over the next week or so? Nope. Nope. Maybe to the dog park. Pete Pete already left. It sounds like. Yeah, yeah I guess gone. Pete traveled. Now you can hear me, right? Yeah. Oh, there you go. I was on mute. I had a lot of great insights that I forgot about that. Uh, you know what? Uh, I, th- no. I think you're the first person to be on a video call in this entire time that was on mute. I don't think anyone else has done that yet. <laughs> no, I, I had to clear my throat, so I put it on mute, but I didn't unclick it. The cough button. Yeah. So what I found was we've already traveled in June, so we're not really traveling now. But honestly, I would be a little bit concerned. We talked about going to see the fireworks. And we're opting not to do that. Instead, we'll probably just set our neighborhood on fire with fireworks in the cul-de-sac. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. Nice. Oh, you're moving anyway, so no big deal. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. We're actually going to travel to a lake house. Um, you know, we've created a, a little bubble with a couple of friend groups. You know, we've expanded our bubble slightly, but trying to keep to ourselves. So a couple of groups, a couple of families are going to travel to a lake house next weekend. So this is what we're going to do. Try to isolate from the world, but still get some vacay time in. Yeah, I always go down to the beach to light off fireworks, and I'm just not going to do that this year. I'm going to pass. Yeah. Are you going to burn your neighborhood like Pete? Well, uh, probably not. In your neighborhood, people might think they're you yeah. know, gunshots, or <laughs> I wouldn't do that. Yeah, the current neighborhood before I move. Uh, not, not. Not the best area, but I don't want to. I don't want to start those fears. <laughs> nice. All right. Well, thanks for tuning in again. Go to fueltravel.com/podcast. Click on episode one fifty six. And uh, Melissa, if they want to find you somewhere on the interweb, where can they do that? I am on Twitter at ma cavanagh m a k a v a n a g h, or you can find me on LinkedIn. And Phil. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at P Fariska, P F O R I S K A. M P. I'm on Twitter also, P DeMeo, P D I M A I O. You can find me at Stuart Butler. You can also find us collectively at Fuel Travel. Again, fueltravel.com is the mothership where you'll get all of the latest, greatest things from Fuel, including Melissa's latest sentiment study, the download to this podcast, and the show notes as well, as well as the sign up for the webinar that's coming up on July 9th. So, Until next time, you have been listening to the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. Hello, podcasters. Yeah, meh. (laughs) She's over it by the end. (laughs) Meh.